everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, the weekly rundown where we talk about best in movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order, although I think today we might actually be going in that order as we're going to do a reverse show Roughly. today. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us today. Today is February the 25th, 2024. This is episode, let me scroll up to the top of the document, 424. Uh, thanks for joining us. We have a big banger today. Uh, we're going to do things a little differently today, like he mentioned. We're going to start from the bottom and work our way to the top, and we'll start with the movies section. And I will take the lead here, because as I usually do, we start movies every week with the weekend box office numbers. Your number one movie in the in the world, world, I guess in the U.S., domestic, whatever. Um, is Bob Marley colon one love again this week? Another fourteen million dollars. That's at seventy one point six million. That's probably a pretty cheap movie, so that will absolutely be a hit. <laughs> like, it seems like uh, yeah, people apparently want to see a biopic about Bob Marley. Who knew? Let's certainly pull up a um, box office for it. A uh, hundred and one global or yeah, uh, international. That's fast, honestly, for a movie like that to make a hundred global. Like, yeah. good for it. Right behind it, though, uh, anime fans flocked to theaters this week for Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba to the Hashira training to the tune of $10.8 million uh, in its debut. So anime movies continue to perform well at the box office. Um, going to show you. It's just, it's a popular medium. Number three, Ordinary Angels with $6.5 million in its debut. Number four, Madam Web, which we will talk about today, um, making $5.5 million, is only at $35 million domestic. Uh, Sony has already uh, made a statement about how disappointing the film's performance has been and has already claimed that they are scrapping any plans to do any spinoffs related to the Madam Web franchise. So... The movies that were planned to include the teenage girls uh, that featured in the film, um, including Sydney Sweeney, was going to be its own film. No longer the case. Sony is like, nope, forget it. We don't care about Madam Web. Uh, to paraphrase, Madam Web is not our future. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, when you have Morbius that made seventy three million at the box office in total. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> and the question even is, the Marvels made eighty four million. So that's true. The question is, is do they do a Morbius and then like assume that the internet's fervor about it is translates to money and put it back into theaters in the summer? No, no, they don't, you don't think they do that again? They learned their lesson the first time. No, they learned their lesson. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, fool me once. <laughs> yes, exactly. And rounding out your top five migration, still here with another three point three million dollars. That's at hundred and twenty. I was wrong. You can you you roll back the tape when we first talked about migration. I said it was disappointing. It slowly, slowly made its money, and it's still another successful Illumination film. It's the slow rollout of family movies. You could see that or yeah. Wonka. You know, at least until like Kung Fu Panda Four comes out yeah. in like two weeks. And in Which a class, I think that's yeah, Illumination DreamWorks just coming in and dominating yeah, Illumination. Pretty much. And in a classic case of a studio who did not have confidence about a film and shoveled it out the door with no marketing whatsoever. And number six, another debut this week, Drive Away Dolls with only two point five million dollars. I heard that there was little to no fanfare about this. And because it's it one of the Cohen brother. 
yes, it's only a one Cohen brother. And I guess that's not enough for the box office these days. Well, so I mean, they got half of their typical return. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something like that. But fear not people looking for a movie to see because you don't have to settle anymore. Dune Part 2 officially comes out this weekend. Uh, are you going to see this on Thursday as planned? I want to try. Um, because we're probably <laughs> not going to line up. Probably going to see it the following week. So we'll talk about it in two weeks, probably. All right. Two weeks. Um, but like most of the shows that I've seen going into Thursday, sold out, more or less. Especially that yeah. IMAX screening. Turns out we're finally back to everybody wanting to see midnight premieres or nine o'clock premieres. It's like it's back. It's just like nothing happened. No, we're we're back. It's because everyone actually wants to see yes. the best movie of 2023. <laughs> oh, you're calling your shot now. I called oh, my shot said last time. Yeah, no, uh, the best movie of 2023 comes well, out in 2024. It does not count for 2023. They wanted to promote Wonka for some reason because they can't have both two Chalamet movies at the same time. I mean, make a Chalamet double feature like they probably should have done. Chalamet sandwich. Yes. Delicious. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, the movie's finally coming out, so you'll be able to see whether it is worth the wait or not. We will report back, like he said, in about two weeks. But in the meantime, um, everybody's thinking about awards. It's award season proper. Here's a little award recap for stuff that happened over the last week leading up to the March 10 Oscars. So let's start with Caesar Awards, if you're not familiar. They're French. Justine Triette. I believe it's pronounced Cesar because it is French. Cesar, whatever. <laughs> There's no uh, tilde over it. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know French. Um, Justine Triette, Triette became the second yeah. female filmmaker in the award's 49-year history to win Best Director for Anatomy of a Fall. Anatomy of a Fall also won Best Film, Original Screenplay, Best Actress for Sandra Huller, Supporting Actor for Swan Arlaud, and editing at the French Film Industry's Big Night. Triet, Triet, whatever, dedicated her Best Film Award to all women, quote, those who feel trapped in their choices, in their solitude, those who exist too much, and those who don't exist enough, to those who were wounded and liberate themselves by speaking out, end quote. That's good. There you so, go. Um, what do you think this does for its chances in the most, uh, in, uh, in the Oscar races, little or something or what i think it helps it in the international race but it's not uh, but nominated get... for the original uh, the international that... race right that's right it's that's not right because this is the french awards to uh, basically yes. say we're sorry we didn't nominate you for the international award so here's yeah. our highest award that we can give you as right. an apology yeah they're not up for international film at the oscars they are nominated yeah. for other things like best picture but for whatever reason they're not there in international I think they're nominated for Best Screenplay, and I think that's yes. where it's going to have its best shot at winning an Oscar. And it will lose, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's move on to uh, a couple of uh, countries away, and let's move to the UK, where the British BAFTAs uh, took place. The big winner of that night was Oppenheimer, taking home the most awards with seven, including the prize for Best Film and Best Director for Christopher Nolan. In the acting categories, the winner, winners included Emma Stone for Four Things, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers, and Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer. 
The Zone of Interest did win Outstanding British Film and Film Not in the English Language, which I guess is an entire category name. It's how they uh, describe their own foreign language category. Right. <laughs> but was not nominated in the Best Film category, so couldn't win there. I don't know, weird, weird lines that they're drawing over at the BAFTAs, but sure. Yep. Just make sure that we want to highlight UK films, so we're going to make this international line right here. Yeah. I mean, the acting ones seem to line up with our predictions largely. Mm -hmm. It seems like um, uh, that Divine Joy Randolph is pretty much a lock uh, for coming into the Oscars. I'm less confident about Killian Murphy. That's a complicated actor category, but um, I feel like the momentum that he's having right now, and we'll talk about this a little again later with the SAG Awards, might be as close to a lock as we're getting in that category. Uh, one that we called as a lock and no longer seems as certain is uh, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. I still think she'll do it. I think the reason why she didn't do it here is because it's the BAFTAs. British. Yeah, I think there's less there's less cultural relevancy when you're talking about a native actor. actor. And it's like, they, they don't have the same conversations there we're having here. Mm -hmm. Obviously, because there's a, you know, there's a sensitivity here because they're right, literally they're the from who here. Sent people over in the first place, right? <laughs> right, exactly. They, they, that's old <laughs> news for them, but it's today for us, and so yeah, it's a different different ball game. Anyway, so those were the BAFTAs. Uh, moving on to the SAG Awards, which of course, as the name implies, are voted by the actors, members of SAG-AFTRA. Those happened last night. Oppenheimer won the award for best performance by a cast, so that's the ensemble award or motion picture. Uh, the film also scooped up two other awards, leading actor Killian Murphy and supporting actor Robert Downey Jr. Leading actress honors went to Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, while Divine Joy Randolph won again, Best Supporting Actress for The Holdovers. On the TV side, because SAG-AFTRA does both, Jeremy Allen White won for Best Performance by a Male Actor in Comedy Series for The Bear. His co-star Ayo Edebri won the Female Actor Award in the same category. Other awards' favorite, Succession, was named Best Drama Ensemble, but male, but lost out in the other categories in which it was nominated. Pedro Pascal, surprise, won the award for Best Actor in Drama Series for The Last of Us. And Elizabeth Debicki, surprise, won the award for Best Actress in a Drama Series for The Crown. I'm going to show you that when actors run the show, you get slightly different interpretations of best acting. Uh... Pedro Pascal and The Last of Us famously completely shut out at the Emmys uh, in that ceremony. So it's interesting to see him win here. I wonder if this is the uh, uh, actor's correction of the Emmys. <laughs> I think it's like, a little no, bit of... like we want to award over here. Instead. I think it's a little bit of that, but also I think it's a little bit of context. I think it's that, that because they're actors as well, they see like the effort for different kinds of genre work. And so shows like The Last of Us and The Crown, which are not necessarily Emmy kind of shows. I mean, The Crown did win its handful of mm -hmm. Emmys. But like, I think they're they're really genre where like maybe something succession, like succession isn't. And so I think it's easy for an act, easier for an actor to be like, actually, that requires a lot of hard work. I'm going to vote for that as opposed to a voting populace that includes way more than actors, which might not have that same context. So you're going to get different results. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, you so, skipped it, but the bear did win best ensemble for comedy. Well, that's implied, I guess, given, to a certain at this extent. Point. 
So the question is about the SAG. You talk about this every single year going into the Oscars. Is this a best picture indicator? It used to be for ensemble, for film. It used to be the indicator. It used to be pretty foolproof. However, since we've been doing this podcast, that has that practice has had diminishing returns. I believe it is never in the time we've done this podcast been the tell. Uh, it's been it twice. I want to say, <laughs> I feel like that's very two, little. Two out of eight years. Yeah, it's not bad. That's not good this. odds. No, I would say no. It used to always be like whatever happened at the SAG happened at the Oscars. Whatever the well, SAG I do say. Well, I do say that there's no, there's a non-zero chance that Oppenheimer could win Best Picture. I just don't feel like it could happen. I just, I, it's not, it's not where I think the momentum is. Where is the momentum then? Because I, we just listed off Oppenheimer <laughs> winning both at BAFTAs yeah. and at SAG. Again, though, I feel like it's really hard to use the BAFTA, the international awards, including the BAFTAs, as bellwethers. Mm-hmm. Um. And SAG is losing its like you know like uh, reliability over the years. Uh, but that being said, though, uh, it could happen. Who knows? Any weirder weirder things have happened. All right. Any other bits about awards that you want to talk about before we move on to thoughts? Mm, nothing else in the awards. Um, the. Oscar voting actually ends this upcoming Tuesday on the 27th. Mm-hmm. And then they'll have 10 days to tally it all up, mark them in envelopes, put them in a vault for the ceremony, as you mentioned, on Mario Day. <laughs> yes, March 10th. Sunday is the awards themselves. So not next week, but the week following. So look forward yeah. to that. All right. In that case, we can move on to thoughts. Uh I saw a movie that should get should get the Oscar. In fact, should give all all the Oscars. Just give all the Oscars uh, to this film. Is it the Zone of Interest? Because that's now streaming. Well, no, uh, that's on Max. No, no, it's, you have to pay video on demand. Well, that's not what streaming means. Then. It's VOD. Well, okay, you're watching it in the comfort <laughs> of your own home. The comfort, yes, comfort is what you want to watch the Zone of Interest in. Yes, really, it's going to be uncomfortable to watch. As I hear. <laughs> yeah. And listen to apparently, um, but yeah, uh, no, I did not see the zone of interest. I saw something that will, yes, never get a Oscar nod. I saw Madam Web on purpose. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I am here to tell you that um, it's a bad movie, but you probably already knew that. But I'm also here to tell you that it's a good ass time. It's one of those where. Every choice is so baffling that you're just sitting there being like, how did, how, how, how did all this happen in the way that it happened? How did it just come together like this? And nobody at any point was like, wait a minute, what are we doing? (laughs) Um, I'll be brief because you can read more, my more in-depth thoughts on the website, mediabookpodcast.com. I've put up a whole thoughts post right after I saw it because I needed to get the thoughts out on paper. Um, But yeah, uh, long story short, it is a superhero movie in the vein of the kind of superhero movies that they don't really make anymore. Think like Catwoman, like think Elektra, like that level of performance, that level of script, that level of visual effects. And you get an idea of what you're getting into here. If you saw Morbius, 
or if you saw the lesser venoms this might be familiar to you um i guess the woman who directed this was a tv director who actually has some like pretty impressive stuff under her belt under on her resume she directed several episodes of the daredevil series for netflix back in the day it's not that she doesn't have the skill she's proven it but the problem is is that the script is not good enough uh there's some really awkward delivery of lines here like this just the dialogue is bad straight up just bad the, you like feel like a checklist of like we need to get this dialogue out or make this reference it's very expository you're right it's very much like every character has to tell you exactly what's going on because otherwise you'd be completely lost um the the camera choices are weird like there's a lot of like shaky cam stuff where there shouldn't be there's a lot of very amateurish work um in the action sequences especially which make them incredibly hard to follow uh which is a problem that again we haven't had in a while because i feel like we got a style uh thanks to the mcu films and this just completely throws that out um the performances are also baffling in their own way it seems like everybody kind of doesn't want to be there especially dakota johnson I think in my in my write-up, I compared Dakota Johnson's performance to kind of a Keanu Reeves kind of way, because that's what it feels like. She's very detached. She's kind of saying the words, but she doesn't seem like a real person when she says them. She's always kind of staring off into nothing, and she just seems like she's just like, she's not even in the movie, really. She's just kind of of the movie, if that makes any sense. <laughs> and then, like, on top of that, it's just, it's a setup that just is so dumb, that it only barely works because if you know anything from about the Madame Web character from the comic books, her whole thing is she can see briefly into the future, and that's it. That's it. That's all. That's all she does. That's her power in this film. And so basically, it's just her that's being not all. like, she's also old, disabled, well, and in drawn in the image of Stanley's wife. <laughs> well. In this movie, that only that all of that only happens at the end. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh for the most part, she is just uh Dakota Johnson's Johnson in her early 30s. Uh, so be that as it may. But anyway, um, so yeah, this is it, it's just a weird ass concept for a film. It's not sturdy enough to build a whole movie on. And so what they do instead, as I alluded to earlier, is that they kind of have her take watch and be responsible for these three teenage girls who the movie tells you are eventually going to be spider-related superheroes but aren't yet they don't even know each other at the beginning of this and so half of the movie is spent kind of with dakota johnson's character babysitting these girls and kind of being like a mother figure for them because she's an orphan too and they're orphans and it's like a link that they have you know her web it connects them all turns out they weren't kidding about that uh so it's like and yeah there's just some really weird stuff it apparently ties into the spider-man stuff because you literally see the birth of peter parker in this film i wish that was a joke but it's true <laughs> um, I, it's i i mean yeah i know i don't have time to really dig into this thing but yeah it is baffling but honestly it's so ridiculous that it ends up being kind of fun it ends up kind of just being a fun time just being like the whole time just like shaking your head and just be like what is what is this why does the villain talk like that why does he why does he have this accent why does why why does dakota johnson not know how to open a can of soda 
Like, what is happening in this movie? Why does she see one thing happen in the final climax uh, fight scene, and then something else completely happens, even though she purportedly can see the future? It's just, it doesn't explain itself well, even though it's full of exposition. It's just, it's 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 an unnecessary film that didn't need to exist, but I'm kind of glad it did. And in conclusion, I'm seeing it again today. Why? <laughs> Why you put money on that? Because it's a good time. Also, I, I, I'm going with someone who is not, who's a, a very not online person. And I want to see what she thinks. Because I think that's hilarious to bring someone with no context of the memes and find out. I mean, she did. She's not a stranger to this stuff because I guess she saw Morbius on a plane. Okay. <laughs> so... But I'm just, I'm fascinated by this idea of, of somebody coming in completely fresh to this. So yeah, it'll it's be like a superhero genre film. But specifically one that's as bad as it is and you don't know the memes, right? Like yes. that's, that's a completely different experience than somebody like me who is too online and knew roughly what to expect. Um, it delivered on that. So I thought that's going to be backfiring because they're going to say <laughs> something be like, well, I know you're referencing something, but I also don't get it. So that's a bad line. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll find out. But uh, we'll yeah, I I recommend it to anybody who needs to fill a couple hours on a weekend uh, with something stupid. If you have the time, it's absolutely worth the worth the fifteen bucks at a soda. Like, go for it. Why not? Why not? Or five dollars Sunday movies. Yeah. Life is short. Why not do that? Yep. All right. But that's it. I'll stop talking about Madam Web. Uh, so, right. any other movies? Uh, last question. This movie cost $80, or it's $80. $80? Honestly, I'd believe it. Okay, this has an $80 million budget. Yeah. Where did the money go, and how can you get something like The Creator, which is also $80 million? (laughs) I think the answer to that is, is that there is special effects in this film. They're not very good, but they had to pay somebody for them, and it went probably to that. And, um... Yeah, pretty much it. And maybe to get Sydney Sweeney, because I feel like besides Dakota Johnson, she's probably the biggest name here, which is sad when you think about it, because this is a movie where also Adam Scott is in this. Playing, He's in this? Playing Ben Parker. Yes, that Ben Parker. The uncle yes. Ben Parker? Yes. Yes. This is what I'm talking about with this movie. It is but it's like like none of the advertising for any of this. No, I think they wanted to bury the Spider-Man stuff in the ads because they didn't want you to just think, "Oh, this is a cash grab." This cash grab for Spider-Man. Okay. Right. The the villain literally looks like a Spider-Man through sixty percent of this movie. Right. It's just straight up CG Spider-Man suit. It's crawling around. It's insane that they didn't like tell anybody about that because like i feel like some people would have been like oh that's this movie's got a spider-man's in it like you should probably see the movie with the spider-man's in it no no you should see the movie (laughs) with dakota johnson wearing a red jacket is basically how they're marketing this thing it's full of baffling choices i don't know what anybody was doing with this thing but i'm glad that it happened so that way i got to enjoy it all right anyway all right, let's move on. Uh, 
Let's go to the television section, I guess, since we're going reverse. And we always start the television section with the sports corner. You have a light sports corner this week. Um, sports happened this week. No, but you did have the Daytona 500, which was, of course, delayed till Monday, which we talked about last week, mm-hmm. where William Byron won in a catastrophic wreck ending. Yeah. Ross Chastain tried to make a final move against... Austin Cindric of all drivers. And what happened was they both saw the same line. They both went for it at the same time. Uh And both ran into each other. And William Byron was able to skirt away and win on a uh, checkered yellow flag. Damn. Um, Basically, it was, hey, we're going to call the checkered flag under caution because uh, the William Byron crossed the, uh, the finish line to start the last lap before the yellow caution was pulled out. Mm. Therefore, he wins by default. We don't go to race uh, playoffs okay. or runoff, race off, lap off, whatever they call it. Overtime. So, Bonus so, racing. So was was this uh, due for William Byron, which, by the way, is a poet-ass name? Uh, what does this do for his upcoming NASCAR season? Well, seeing as he was part of the final four of last year and lost in the championship. Bodes pretty well. Bodes pretty well. Like, yeah. yes, like, hey, that was not a fluke. I am here to run laps around all y'all. He's here to compete, as they say. You gotta compete. You but gotta compete. it's also upsetting that both of my two favorite drivers currently <laughs> in, the, right. in NASCAR. Collided. Could not. Yeah. Yes, just ran into each other. And be like, <laughs> why? Just watching it in real time. was like. Go, 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 no! It was like watching a car wreck, except it literally was watching literally a car wreck. It literally was a car wreck, yes. <laughs> um, they're okay, right? I, I, we're laughing, but they are okay, right? Oh, yeah, no, these cars are, like, built to, like, withstand, like, even direct head-on impact. Well, that's good. I'm glad. They kind of do the crumply thing, right? Yes. Well, cool. Uh, anything else interesting about the Daytona 500, or was that the peak? The Rock did the intro and then immediately left. That sounds like The Rock these days. That checks yes. out. Right. Nothing else? Uh, no, nothing else. Um, NASCAR's officially started. That's true. Speaking of officially started, you don't have it here, but uh, Major League Baseball we spring training is officially... Week. Yeah, I know, but it's happening now. There are yes. officially games starting yesterday, so tune in. Um, if you have MLB TV, fun fact, no blackouts for spring training games, so get to it. Um, yeah, already, already exciting stuff. Yep. Still no word on the Amazon streaming MLB no. deal. I checked the Bally website and the FAQ has not been updated. Um, yep. They do have an FAQ section for the Amazon deal where they do uh, address some of the details, but it's January and no updates have happened since. I will continue checking to make sure before the proper opening, uh, opening day. Before opening day. Because I imagine if they're going to do it, they have to do it before opening day. Well, my calendar is going to run out too. <laughs> yeah, mine too. <laughs> sick of looking at Rendon. I want to flip that calendar. I know. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, uh, basketball headlines: Warriors gave coach Steve Kerr a thirty-five million dollar two-year extension, making him the highest-paid coach in the league. It's a good call the highest for paid Mr. Coach Kerr. ever in the NBA at seventeen and a half million dollars per year. Think it's worth it? You think uh, even though the Warriors are not quite the team that they've been? I don't know. Seeing as he gets paid $17.5 million per year, 
but scores a total amount of zero points per game, zero <laughs> assists per game, zero <laughs> blocks per game, and zero minutes per game. Hey, he, uh, he earned his keep <laughs> earlier in his career. But he does have the championship winning trophies. That's true. We're coaching true. them. He's got them. He's got them. So, you know, <laughs> something. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess of the coaches, he definitely is the most recent coach with a winning streak as yes, illustrious. That is as, correct. Yes. So makes sense, I guess. Yeah, it helps to have a helps. really good three-point shooter on your team. It does. It does certainly help in basketball to have that. Uh, Then we have some hockey headlines in the NHL. The New York Rangers are currently on a nine-game win streak. Meanwhile, the Arizona Coyotes are on an 11-game losing streak. They have lost for over a month now. The Uh, last win was January 22nd. (laughs) So, uh, do you think the Rangers keep on keeping on, and do you think the Coyotes keep on losing? Well, We'll watch this space to see if the Rangers keep on um, with our winning ways. <coughs> wow, where did that come from? Yeah, and a little frog. Yeah, uh, toad in my mouth. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, as we saw just recently with the um, Oilers, their win streak ended after what the hell is going on in my voice? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. This is only a audio podcast. It's not a big deal. All right. But yeah, we'll, we'll see <laughs> if the Rangers continue. they're winning ways we will all right is that it for sports is that all we need to cover it's kind of slow sports week uh yeah that's a slow sports week now that super bowl is over there's no football we're waiting for mlb season to kick off hockey and basketball are both pet in the back half of their seasons having both been past their all-star break yeah and really if you're not paying attention to basketball or hockey you might be watching a lot of college basketball as we are one, well, two weeks away from Selection Sunday. Yes. March Madness is right around the corner, which also means our own March Madness bracket yes. is right around the corner. And I have a pitch for you. I thought of something last night, and I will pitch it to you after the podcast. Unless you I want me to pitch, pitch it for to you. you. I have thought about it this morning, and I'll give it to you after the podcast. Ooh, competing pitches. Okay, well, we'll do that later. But in the meantime, let's talk about Jay Farrow's balls. Um, I'm sorry. They are not just any regular balls. They are Jay Farrow's big ass balls. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, we're moving into television news in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> Jay Farrow, known for Saturday Night Live and The Blackening, will be the host of a new show called The Quiz with the Balls. You heard me right. That a is not part- a title pending. That is apparently oh. what they're going to call this thing. That is what they're going to name it. Each episode will feature two families competing for $100,000 in a, quote, battle of the balls, unquote, combining a high-stakes quiz show with a large-scale physical competition. Sound familiar? This is because this is what game shows look like now. (laughs) This is not the first time they've done this. The contestants stand on a high platform over a pool where they must work together during a multiple-choice quiz. Each answer is allocated to a spot with a giant ball positioned behind it. If the answer is chosen correctly, the ball will roll down and stop just before hitting the player. However, if the answer is wrong, the ball will fall and whack the player into the pool below. The quiz with balls apparently premiered on SBS6 in the Netherlands, originally, 
where it became an instant summer hit. So, of course, U.S. executives saw that and said, we can do that, too, with Jay Farrow's balls. Uh, so it's... It's, it's the wipeout in the quiz show. The wipeout? Like, we meets wipeout is what it yes. sounds like. Okay. Yeah. They stand over the big pool, yeah. and you gotta run to the spot. You want A, B, C, or D of the multiple choice answer. Yeah. Uh, and then... You stay there and you hope you guessed right. Otherwise, the ball's going to whack you from behind and thrust you into the pool. hate when that happens. I uh, hate when you get all wet from getting answers wrong on multiple choice questions. When you have, like, sometimes multiple choice. Two of them are completely wrong and you kind of know they're wrong. So it's yeah. really 50 50 shot. I thought for a second you were going to say, I hate to get, I hate when you get all wet from when you get hit by a ball. But sure. Well, that too. But if there are multiple <laughs> families competing on these platforms, yeah, why not just all go where the majority goes? That makes like, sense. Hey, either we all win or we all lose. But you know like, that's if not I don't how know, this works. I'm going to bet that they're going to know, so I'm going to go over with them. Yeah. I mean, you know that's not how this works, though. Like that, that they're going to be obstinate and they're going to be isolated all the time. It's going to be hilarious to watch people get hit into yeah. that pool. So yeah, uh, no word on when this will premiere, but it is in production, I guess. Um, yes, it sounds like a summer game show, so like look summer. forward to this yeah. as Fox continues its game show run following Le Fleur. Yes, Le Fleur. That's what we the call flower. it here. The Le Fleur. Fleur. No, that's, that's different. Um, no. Yeah, so check that out. Big balls. All right. Enough big balls, uh, but not enough game shows because I'm guessing that's what this first thing that you watched is. What is Ready Set Love? It is a South Korean game show. Nailed it. Show. Game show show. Yes. What does that mean? A show about it a is, game show. It is a show about a game show. Okay. Um, with the premise from Why the Last Man, but in a very um boy band-ish setting. Huh? Exactly. What? So, picture this. In a world <laughs> where a rapid virus that attacks the Y chromosome has left the Earth desolated with nothing but women. Sounds great. I'm on board. But there are men in order to help keep the population oh. alive. Damn. About 300 men still reside and to, in order to continue growing the population, they don't do IVF. They don't do fertilization. Topical. No. Instead, they make it into a game show. Wow. Where you could be one of the lucky 50 women chosen to compete on Ready, Set, Love, where of those 50 women, you could vie to win the hand of one of the five BTS members. What? But not actually BTS, right? No, no, but they all look right. like they're part a, of the boy band BTS. A K-pop band. They definitely look like a K-pop band. And they yeah. definitely play it up like a K-pop band. <laughs> and it's this it's this weird amalgamation of like, oh And then it's they get hit by balls and they fall into a pool, right? Is that where this goes? Um yes, there are some physical challenges, yes. <laughs> physical one hundred? Uh no, it's not physical one hundred. <laughs> Uh, but it's a game show called Ready, Set, Love, where oh. everyone watches and um, enjoys the reality television of who will be these boy band's new wife slash 
uh, moms to their eventual hopeful maybe sons uh. to continue the population because there's no guarantee they will actually have kids and sons. What led you to watching this? I thought it was a game show. It advertised <laughs> itself as a game show. <laughs> uh-huh. Got it. It's a little preview. Best. It advertised itself like, hey, this is a game show. But it's not. And then immediately, it's not. In the first five minutes, it's like, this is not a game show. This is a series. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to continue watching Ready, Set, Love? Oh, no. Remember, if you thought Madam Led was bad and it's <laughs> awkward and over to the topness, <laughs> no. I think this Fine. this tops that. All right. This is like the most brightly colored, over-centric. Do not think too hard about this thing. Yeah. Because it is just very... Just like, just like even that simple premise of we're make a dating show into also you gotta pick someone in order to um, continue the population because it's your civil duty, it's your civic duty, it's your government duty. But wait, <laughs> our protagonist doesn't really care for marrying any one of these guys. Of course, right? But she's randomly chosen in a lottery because she's a protag to be a part of this so she's forced to be a part of it but she cannot quit because her sister is sick with cancer so if she wins Mm -hmm. then her entire family gets the health care of the government to keep them alive right so she must win to save her sister and not do it for love Yes. But who knows? She may find love along the way. You know what? I have a feeling that she might. Oh, but wait. There's more. Because our protag apparently helped save one of these little boys very early on in his life. And you know this because they have the the shared little pendants. Of course, yes. And it's like, oh, you're the little boy from when I looked like little. Oh, how very coincidental that we're now meeting up and of the same age and we could get married, but you don't want to because Korean drama says that you should marry the highly um, like heiress to the, like uh, what do they call it? Like the hotel heiress. Because uh, she is also of age and very pompous and I'm just a lonely schoolgirl, And it just like hits all these like South Korean, almost anime-like tropes. In this live action series. Next out. Oh, well. That was the only thing I watched on Netflix because I yes. wanted to watch something else, but I had to wait till Wednesday to watch it. So that's yeah. why I watched Ready Set Love. But you did eventually watch it. All right. Is the internet right? How bad is the adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender? It's not bad Hmm. if you haven't watched avatar the last airbender (laughs) but if you have oh if you have Uh um and like basically are part of the whole reason why they created this of hey we want to make this for you because we have this huge fan base of people who love the last airbender animated series we want that same audience and all those eyes to now watch our live action last airbender live action series mm-hmm. and 
<laughs> they get a lot of the beats correct, but it's also as if someone gave them the end cliff notes and not the whole like reason why the whole arc of like why they ended up there and just goes straight from instead of the arc that the anime series does just goes from a to b just straight line we're gonna cut through all the bullshit we're just gonna give you no fat just lean a to b but you know what the best beef in the world is why do a5 because it's marbled with all that extra fat and trimmings that's where all the flavor is. It's not just a lean cut. This is <laughs> Avatar uh, live action. Netflix is the lean cut. We're just going to give you the, the Cliff Notes version, the exact version, the the non-bullshit version. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, you completely either have to mess up or don't understand the full reason of why they right. got to where they are. Yeah. The whole journey, the hero's journey, the hero's arc. This the, seems to be the sticking uh, point for everybody that I follow who is complaining about this thing. Is that like, yes. why take a thing that already worked and completely warp it? For one reason, one reason only. Mm-hmm. They wanted to take the Sokka character and not make him so misogynistic. But you gotta start there in order to have the character learn something. That's exactly. storytelling 101. Exactly. <laughs> That sounds frustrating. Um, now, what is your level of familiarity with the original series? Did you watch all of it? I did watch all of it, but I didn't okay. watch it when it originally aired. I sure, watched it during but... pandemic because. But you have familiarity with it, so yes. What was your feeling about how they the, how they treated that material? Like, just your opinion. Some of the decisions, especially in the writing, completely missed the plot of why characters ended up together it seems like as i mentioned they took the ending like we're oh they okay these two characters end up together these two characters end up together these two characters end up together so we're just going to make that blatantly obvious in the beginning here and that oh they're like infatuated with each other and not oh we're going to like use what the show gave you and show the graduate the gradual like infatuation with these characters yeah. just that we're gonna hit you right off the bat that this is what's happening um lots mm. of different changes that i do not agree with especially right off the bat including ang just going out for a uh a flight in the middle of the night instead of literally running away from his duties because that's a core part of his personality trait mm-hmm. katara not being the leader the fighter the basically kind of mother figure of the group but instead kind of being the backseat lover girl interest completely butchered the character um suki just immediately seeing Sokka with a shrug like oh interesting boy with ripped abs i must have (laughs) instead of like Sokka learning to humble himself before her and then teaching and training her because we can't do training montages we can't no. like sit and have these people like actually learn anything because we need to get to the next thing we need you to get this information we need to get to the next item on this checklist so i'm gonna ask a question that might seem obvious i'm not sure exactly but like here's my question 
is did they make the choices that they made just because they were tasked with making an eight to ten episode Netflix show and they had to cut stuff for time and thus that the format is to be blamed here or do you still think that there was it exists a better way of doing an eight to ten episode Netflix show and respecting the original story and the original content better or I guess the third option do you think this was just a dumb idea in the first place and you don't need to make a live action eight to ten episode Netflix adaptation of this story? It's a constraint on doing live action because the characters will move faster, they will talk faster than an animated series, but then that should give you, in essence, you'd think, more time to get to know these characters. But that actually works in not in their favor because you don't like you don't have the animated quote filler episode. But those filler episodes help to flesh out more of the characters. They help give you a bit more backstory. They help have these characters grow. Even if it's a little bit of growth, it's still a little bit on the step towards the growth, not these big episodic leaps that happen. Right. Yeah. Um, also, two of the animated characters that have to be animated because they're the animal companions, uh, Appa and Momo, shoved to the side because they don't want to pay to have them anywhere. Right. Uh, but that is not the most egregious thing about the Last Airbender. <laughs> it is the way this thing is shot. So, ever since The Mandalorian became a hit that it was in 2019, and ever since it started pioneering this LED wall to help shoot and save cost effective budgets for TV shows, I've seen this everywhere with Netflix shows, especially, and more so with Disney shows, and now it's just like everywhere the LED background wall where the actors stand. Mm -hmm. And it's giving me. I'm sorry. So I saw someone online post this, and it's like the best way I've ever seen it uh, said is that it feels more like a stage play where you're on one side and you have to look in one direction the entire time. Right. You can't have all the different angles and close ups mm -hmm. because yeah. the wall only yeah. works in one direction. You can't even take full advantage of the 180 degree rule because if you get too far into that degree, you're looking past the screen edge. Yeah, you're putting at the edge, yeah. yeah. And right. they don't move, and I think it's just part of like the directors and the actors, they don't like physically move them to right. have, to keep continuity. No, it's, hey, the X's are right here, stand, <laughs> stand right here. here. Don't move. <laughs> yeah. It works for the Mandalorian because it has these wide open landscapes on the planet, so you don't see where the edge te te technically is, or it starts or ends. But when you're in enclosed spaces and you don't want to physically build out like the inside yeah. of a temple, and you use an LED wall instead, it looks super obvious. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate, and it seems like it's been disappointing for a lot of people. Uh, the one highlight, though, costumes. Off the chart, perfect. I okay. adore, like, every single costume design that they created. Something. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. yeah, it's 
yeah, you have the live action. If you wanted a lean cut of the live action series, and this is your first time watching it, yeah, I'm sure it's like fine and like you're enjoying it. But then go watch the animated series and see all the changes and the butchering of the mm. characters. Yeah, I think ultimately the lesson here is that if it doesn't, if you're not jiving with it, try the original because it's there and it's available and you can watch all of it. And mm -hmm. maybe it's a better version for you uh, because, yeah, it seems like largely this was a desperate uh, attempt on behalf of the owners of this IP to make some more money on something that was successful in reruns or successful in a streaming uh, capacity. And they wanted to capitalize on it. And it didn't seem like they cared enough about the quality of the product and what made the original good and just kind of decided to make a version of it, but not a better yeah. version. Um, costumes, great in this. And then the fight scenes, choreography, great right. in this. I mean, it's got to be, right? You can't make this unless you go hard on the choreography. Right. So that makes sense. Now, okay, last question before we move on. Is it better than the M. Night Shyamalan film? No, yes. low bar, low bar. Well, that's a low bar to clear, but yes, it does <laughs> not trip over that. All right, good news. That's a win in its column. All right, let's move on. I just want to briefly say that, um, meanwhile, on PBS, um, all creatures, all creatures, all creatures, all creatures great and small, uh, season four wrapped up. Um, it was supposed to be the end, but no, they renewed it for two more seasons. If you're not familiar, I've talked about it on the show before. It is a um, adaptation of the books by author James Harriet, not his real name, um, who was a vet in the 1930s, 1940s. And it's fascinating. Um, it's got a really cute like uh, group of characters, an ensemble cast you learn to love. It's cute. It's calming. It's like very sweet. It has lots of animals, cuddly animals that you can look at, as well as farm animals and horses and everything you want. And uh, yeah, it's just cozy and fun. And uh, this last season was interesting because it dealt into, hey, World War II is happening. And what does that mean for us? Like, and what does that mean for like people coming in and coming out, having to go into the service and and join the war effort? What if they want to come home for the holidays? And because uh, their wife is giving birth to their first child, like it goes into kind of answering these questions and what it's like to live in um that like that situation during world war ii so yeah fascinating show christy and i really love it and we're happy that's coming back for more so yeah that just wrapped up hmm. is this live action or animated it is live action okay yeah weird if, if you not, not what i thought of when i saw the title all no. is great and small i thought this was no. nature doc no, uh, but if you like nature, you'd probably like it. Because yeah. animals, animals, and more animals. Uh, so, yeah. And All where right. can I watch this? Uh, PBS. Uh, either your local PBS station, or if you subscribe to their Passport program, streaming on your PBS app. Okay. If you donate, fun fact, if you donate to your PBS station a certain amount, you get access to the Passport all year long. So, it gives you an incentive um, to donate then you just have every PBS show. So if you want to watch all of Ken Burns' baseball, like I did three years ago, this is the way to do that. Now, do I get PBS kids out of it too? So you get um, certain, yes, I believe yes, to a certain extent. It's a separate app though. Okay. All righty. 
Well, then that will wrap it up for television. Uh, so let's move on to cancellations and renewals. What am I no longer watching? Thank you for saying your line. Cancelled at Paramount Plus after four seasons is evil, which I swear we talked about last week. I remember saying the word evil. Maybe. <laughs> uh, Frasier on Paramount Plus was renewed for a second season. Yes, that's the reboot of Frasier that nobody watched. Somehow, somebody watched it. Berlin is getting a second season on Netflix. True Detective will get a... Yeah, this is the wrong number. Fourth season just happened. We'll get a fifth season. Third and that's the wrong happened. network that's on HBO. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing there. What am I doing there? <laughs> yes, it officially got renewed for a fifth season on HBO and H and and Max is what actually happened there. Oh, I see. I see what I did. Following season four, that's what I yes. saw. I so yeah, saw uh, Night Country, the fourth season just wrapped up. Yep, and the fifth season just got announced. And then yeah, I just mentioned All Creatures Great and Small, renewed for two more seasons on PBS. All right. Well, Ooh, that plus means... a Christmas special on that. Yes, plus a Christmas special. Always. That means we get to move on to the second half of the show, and I hand the keys over to you, and we talk about some video games. And we start with new releases, starting with Wrath, colon, Aeon of Ruin for the PC. Mm -hmm. Brothers, colon, A Tale of Two Sons, the remake for yes. the PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. This Great seems game like if you did not yeah. play it. I was going to say, this seems like your jam. Have you played this? Oh, I did play this, yeah, yeah, on the PS3. Yeah, yeah, that's how long ago that. <laughs> uh, we also have Spiritfall for the PC. Star Wars, colon, Dark Forces Remaster for everything. Wide release, you got it, you can play it. Yep, they continue remastering those old PC Star Wars games. So uh, if you're nostalgic for Dark Forces, here's a way to play it. We also have Welcome to Paradise. <laughs> For the P PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series X. Zombie game? Is this a zombie game? Oh, that's a typo. That should be PC. Oh, PC. Eh. <laughs> is this a zombie game, though? I'm guessing with the Z capitalized, it's probably a zombie game. Yes. All right. But that's not the bigger release. It is not. If you're willing to fork over $700. <laughs> 70 700 100. Yeah, you could have been one of the very few to get the collector's edition of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. $700? If you're lucky, you lucky enough to get the Ultimate Collector's Edition, yes. Oh, okay. Otherwise, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth comes to the PS5 this week for $70. Or you pay $100 for the collector's edition, which comes with the steel box. If you can find it, because <laughs> this thing is sold out everywhere. Well, that's fine. Saved you some money. But you will be picking up Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Yes. If you did not play Final Fantasy VII Remake or Integrate, you can get that plus Rebirth for the PlayStation 5 for that same $70. Just make sure that you select uh, the Twin Pack Edition. Oh, or cool. that's good. Um, it actually satisfies you to do so because you get certain stuff if you have a saved file of remake into rebirth. Uh, there is also a demo out. I did not play the demo. <laughs> I probably won't play the demo because you're just going to play the game. 
I'm just gonna play the game. Apparently, yeah. there is like some special thing that you get if you do play the demo, but it's also like a bingo that you can like easily check after an hour into the story. So yeah, so not super necessary yeah. then. I don't need to play a demo if I already know I'm gonna play it. But I don't need that in my life. Speaking of which, you will be playing this this week, and we'll be able to talk about it next week. I'll try to play it this week. Um, it's gonna be a busy week. <laughs> yeah, may or may not get to it. Fair enough. Uh, but what we can get to is what happened this past Thursday. It was a Nintendo Direct. Yes. And it was a partner direct. Yes. For all the third party games out there. Which started off with the one game that everyone knew was going to come to the Switch. Courtesy of the Microsoft announcement, that was Grounded, officially coming to the Nintendo Switch. Yes, I'm going to pick up the phone because I was right about all of this. Yep. Uh, yeah, Grounded and Pentiment are the two games that are coming to Switch. I heard through the grapevine that the reason why we didn't see Hi-Fi Rush here is that they were having trouble getting porting this uh, to Switch in a non-cloud version form. And of course, with a game that has a rhythm system, you can't have the delay that a cloud version would introduce. So it seems like they just decided to... Uh, just skip a Switch release for Hi-Fi Rush. Um, so that's why you didn't see it here. Skip for now. For now. You may see it uh, a bit later. Uh, but other games were announced, including Monster Hunter Stories coming to Switch, another in the Monster Hunter series. This was originally a 3DS title that is getting a HD uh, remaster here. Speaking of remasters, Epic Mickey rebrushed which is a remake of the wii game this was a weird one um if you remember the wii uh epic mickey was kind of a big deal back in the day uh or at least they tried to make it a big deal this was a warren specter game him of the deus ex games and um yeah it kind of didn't do super well after it came out and people are mixed in its reception uh but a remaster of this uh is an interesting move so they we'll did see. make an Epic Mickey 2. They did make a sequel. So, yeah. Um, apparently, uh, tentative release date is March 25th, if you're to believe the uh, calendar <laughs> yes, listed on the trailer. I, I believe it, honestly. This probably, this probably, this looks pretty done. I believe that that's just something they just put out. All right. Uh, we also have Star Wars colon Battlefront Classic Collection, which was announced. Yes. And that is both yes. Star Wars Battlefront 1 and Star Wars Battlefront 2. But to be specific, the original Battlefront 1 and 2 for the PS2 Xbox GameCube era. This is not Battlefront and Battlefront 2, the games that came out for the PS4 and Xbox One. You gotta differentiate them because EA did not make their names different. (laughs) No, they only made different by the release year. Yes. Uh, We also have Super Monkey Ball, colon, Banana Rumble, which looks like a game I might pick up. It's Monkey Ball. If you haven't played a Monkey Ball game in a while, this is one of those. And it has like an eight-player multiplayer mode. Well, not just that, but it's super easy to control. So if I want to give it to my kid with the guardrails up. It's got tilt controls, yeah. Tilt controls, easy easy to understand. um, In fact, Christy walked in while that game trailer was playing, and she said, wow, that looks fun. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you might like a Monkey Ball game. Super Monkey Balls are fun. Why not? Uh, we also have the classic Rare games coming to Nintendo Switch Online, yes. including RC Pro and 
Killer Instinct, and Blast Corpse. Uh, there's They're a available others. now if you have Nintendo Switch yes. online. So yes, uh, these are available uh, depending on whether you have what version of it if you have. You have to have the expansion pass version to play Blast Corps because that's a Nintendo 64 game. Uh, but the basic ones include the NES and Super NES. So you will get RC Pro-Am, uh, Killer Instinct, Snake, Rattle, and Roll. My favorite of the names of the, <laughs> of those. Um, yeah, some just classic Rare games. Uh, oh, Battletoads is in there. Uh, so you don't have to call Nintendo and ask if the Wait, Switch has Battletoads. Do they have Battletoads? Original Battletoads. You you literally just made the same joke I was making, except I'm trying to be a little bit more subtle about it. Uh, that's going to mean nothing to anybody under the age of 25. Uh, <laughs> anyway, they do have Battletoads. They 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 can say yes. Um, but yeah, I thought this was an interesting move because uh, obviously these are originally Nintendo games. But they are IP that Rare owns, which means Microsoft owns these games. So that means that they had to presumably make a deal with Microsoft while they were already talking about, you know, stuff like Pentiment and Grounded coming over. This only would have happened if that conversation happened because these are not Nintendo-owned IP. Previously to this, only Nintendo co-owned or owned IP from Rare has come over to the Switch. So this is a change. Yep. And a welcome one. But there are two more games announced. One being Endless Ocean, colon, Luminous, which was announced. And yes. it looks kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, this is actually a sequel. The, this was a Wii series, Endless Ocean <laughs> and Endless Ocean 2. Uh, but this one looks like it's going um, kind of in a live service game almost direction with a big multiplayer component. And yeah, you dive with your friends and you go... Um, Look at sea creatures Uba and denote photography. Yeah, yeah. kind, uh, kind like all kinds of sea creatures, and like take a uh, stock of them and discover. You new mean ones. all creatures, great and small? Yes, but only in the ocean. Only out. in the ocean. And nothing else of note happened. Oh, I mean, a couple of things. Uh, uh, we had Pocket Car, Car Jockey Ride On, previously mm-hmm. a Apple Arcade exclusive. This is the remake of the DS game. Uh, 3DS game, sorry, uh, coming to Switch. So people who missed the Apple Arcade version can now enjoy the remake. And it's a great game. So if you never played it and you're a Switch owner, absolutely pick this up. Um, there's yes, a few I other did. things that aren't on this recap list, uh, but um, there were some original games also confirmed coming to Switch and other platforms as well. One that I was especially interested in was called Pepper Grinder. It looks like a game in the vein of Drill Dozer for the Game Boy Advance, if anybody remembers that beside me, uh, where you play as somebody with a drill and you're doing, like, digging through, uh, like, ground portions of the level as well as using it as a, a, a weapon in battle. And it seems cool. Games with drills are always pretty cool, Mr. Driller, Drill Dozer. So, yeah, so keep it on, go, I'll keep an eye on Pepper Grinder for sure. Yep. All right. Uh, anything else from Nintendo Direct? Those are my highlights. Uh, besides that, um, it was a partner direct. I mean, it's what you kind of figured you would get from yep. these kind of things. Just a showcase of third-party games. Um, this wasn't in the direct, but you did get Nintendo did post uh, more footage of Princess Peach Showtime, uh, which is um, going to be released shortly. So. If you want to know more about the actual gameplay of Princess Peach Showtime, that's out as well as some previews from a lot of gaming outlets. So 
seems interesting. I don't know if I'm going to buy it, but it seems like an interesting game. Um, and then the other thing that was announced this week, Tuesday, is a Pokemon Direct um, in honor of this year's Pokemon Day. Uh, all signs point to if they're going to announce a Pokemon game, it's going to be there. So get ready, brace yourself, because the internet is going to be inhospitable on Tuesday, because everybody will be angry about something. Pokemon Secret Dungeon again. Oh god, that'd be really funny if they just did that and just didn't say anything about like a remake or a prop new proper generation or anything. Yes. They were just like, nope. Nope, it's Mr. in development. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh yeah. Anyways, uh did you play anything? Uh so I didn't get a chance to play it, but one of my most look forward to PC games uh finally came out uh two days ago. Regency Solitaire 2. Uh, I haven't had time to play it, but when I do have time, I promise I will stream that. I will go, go on and discover all of the, the drama in the Solitaire playing uh, Regency period for all of you. All right. Um, well, in the meantime, I did play Pocket Card Jockey. Hell yeah. Because Solitaire, and as you mentioned, it's a really great game. Yeah. So I paid fifteen dollars about it. Worth it. Fun with it. It's like, oh yeah, I remember this game. And plus with the Switch, because it has both touch controls yeah. and motion controls. That's um good. it works really well both in both aspects of that game. Uh, but yeah, it's solitaire. It's three to five quick games as you uh interject it with a little bit of car racing. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, horse it's racing. a horse racing game. Horse yeah, racing. It's like a car Card racing. game, horse racing. Card game horse racing. Plus braiding. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, it's fun. I'm having fun. I'm having fun jumping back into that. Hell yeah. So uh if nothing else, let's jump into the last section here of the music yes. section. We start with the billboard. Start as we always do, start the billboard with the hot one hundred. And the hottest song in the land is Texas Hold'em by Beyonce. If no, you're listening it's not. to the country charts. No, it's not. No. Unfortunately, Lebanami by Jack Harlow. Yeah, still at number one. It could not it, uh, refuse to back down uh, from the onslaught of Beyonce. However, at number two is Texas Hold'em by yes. Beyonce. At number three, Carnival by Kanye West and yeah. Ty Dolla Sign. I try to avoid talking about him, but in this case, we have to talk about him. So Featuring Rich the Kid and Playboy Cardi. Yeah. You need all four of them. Apparently. Or, you know, just one Beyonce. <laughs> uh, number four, Beautiful Things by Benson Boone. And rounding out your top five, Lose Control by Teddy Swims. Yep. As for your album chart, your Billboard 200. At number one is Vultures 1 by, as for mentioned, Kanye West and Ty Dolla Sign. Yep. Coming at two, <clears throat> getting that Super Bowl bump. Coming Home by Usha. Yep. At three, Stick Season by Noah Kahan. Coming in at four, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. And rounding out your top five, SOS by SZA. Yeah. Um, a couple notes here, besides the obvious, you know, Kanye West is here because Kanye West. Um, 
Interesting to see SZA still here instead of Midnight's because you would think that with another week after the Grammy bump, we would still see Taylor here. But no, just outside of the top five. Well, that's because Taylor's doing the international tour right now. <laughs> yeah, she's out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she picked up her Grammy, picked up her boyfriend, and left for Australia. <laughs> well, what if I didn't like any of those? If you like any of those albums... We have new releases, starting with Mountainhead by Everything Everything, Underdressed at the Symphony by Faye Webster, Kaiser Chiefs, Easy Eighth Album by Kaiser Chiefs. Makes sense. Uh, We also have I Got Heaven by Mannequin Pussy. I hope I say this correctly. <laughs> you got it. Well, I have to yell it because it's uh, all caps. Right, it's all caps. Hoping for the masses mm-hmm. by Ministry. That is all caps, no space. Correct. Uh, Hack Divorced by Pissed Jeans. Blue Lips by Schoolboy Q. <laughs> Playing Favorites by Sheer Mag. Parallel Realms by Sturferker. <laughs> and lastly where's my utopia by yard act yeah so a variety of different things this week <laughs> well let's get into the music news yes where we have a communications issue <laughs> a u.s appeals court has overturned a one billion dollar albeit four years, five years later, 2019 decision in favor of the major labels against cable and internet provider Cox Communications, setting the stage for a new trial. The 4th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Richmond, Virginia, ruled on Tuesday that the $1 billion in damages was not justified and that a federal district court should hold a new trial to decide an appropriate amount. The news was first reported Tuesday by Reuters. Right, so, Roy- Reuters. Reuters. I say Reuters, Ro- not Reuters. 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 It's like Rotos. <laughs> so, let's play the picture here. In <laughs> December of 2019, a Virginia jury found Cox Communication, the largest unit of privately owned Cox Enterprises, and the third largest broadband service provider in the U.S., liable for its customers' violation of more than 10,000 copyrights held by labels that include Sony Music Entertainment, Warner Music Group, and Universal Music Group. The court said in its ruling on Tuesday, quote, we affirm the jury's finding of willful contributory infringement but we reverse the vicarious liability verdict and remand for a new trial on damages because cox did not profit from its subscribers act of infringement a legal prerequisite for vicarious liability So that last line sums it all up pretty well, is you don't really have a case against a service provider in this kind of uh, this kind of lawsuit. 
because the service provider doesn't make more money as a result of their customers pirating copyrighted things. It doesn't benefit Cox or Verizon or Spectrum, any of these guys, Comcast, if they're not like benefiting from that relationship. So this starts off on a weird foot in the first place, this whole, this whole suit. You're probably wondering, why would they go after a service provider instead of just going, picking off individuals like we were told was going to happen back in 99 with Napster? And the answer, the only answer I can think of is because it's easier. <laughs> it's easier just to go for the big corporation and blame them as opposed to trying to scrape the probably hundreds of thousands, if not more, uh, people who daily download music illegally illegally like it's probably just easier for them just do a lump sum and try to get some money back from an entity that has money but this is proving that this is probably not going to be a solution at least for the long term i mean they're probably thinking about it also as if they're providing the internet service as an isp then they can also provide a curtail to certain websites yes but the thing is that there are laws to prevent that from happening um and there may be more in the future if we have an fcc that is more uh, pliable and lets uh lets something like net neutrality actually pass um it introduces something that's basically like yeah i'm sorry but like you should be able to do whatever you want on the internet and it's up to the individual's choice it should be, in my opinion, of the individual's choice whether they take advantage of the fact that you can pirate things or you can't. Like, it's different from downloading a virus. Obviously, your provider should prevent you from doing something that could provide harm to their customers. Absolutely. But this doesn't provide harm to the customer. It just harms a giant corporation somewhere over here, um, which is not necessarily... It's a different kind of thing at that point. Mm. So it's like... It's such a weird gray area, and this is such a thing that they still haven't solved, that the the big music labels are still trying to figure out a way to solve it. And this is just them again running into a brick wall. Like, they can't figure it out. Because, again, it's just too easy. It's too accessible. The internet designed that way on purpose, folks. It's supposed to be easy and accessible. It's only recently it's gotten really shitty and hard to find anything. It used to be the whole concept was, here's a place that you can just go and find everything. Legal, legal or otherwise and uh mm-hmm. yeah i just i think they're fighting a losing fight i think they're going uphill and i just don't think that these labels are ever gonna find a way to truly make their money back quote unquote from pirated music films television shows etc the pirating is here to stay and there's nothing they can do about it i mean even if you stop one pirate <laughs> the legacy of set pirates will make their way out <laughs> into the world. It's... I mean, what you're describing is the Nintendo approach, right? It's what yes. Nintendo does when they go to those ROM sites and shut down the biggest ones, so that way those ROMs are harder to distribute. They try to go from the top of the food chain there. And yeah, you can see, probably see some of these companies doing similar things, but again, it's such a big enterprise. It's not as niche as emulating video games is. Because unlike a video game, if you get an MP3 of a song, anybody can play it. You just have to get it. The hard part is getting it. With a video game, there's so many hoops to jump through, right? It's a much more niche activity, which means they can't go after those big fish because there's so many of those fish. It's a huge ocean. 
And so, yeah, it's just there's no real way. As I've said a billion times on this show, the best way, and I think the only way for these companies, these media companies, to rein in piracy is to make their offering cheaper and easier to access. Because the more difficult they make things to buy, to enjoy, and to keep forever, the more people are going to look for free alternatives, pirated alternatives. And it just so See, happens that that's the way everything is going. What you're describing, though, is what capitalism should be, not this oligarchy <laughs> that yes. we're currently in, where yes. all the wealth is controlled by right. the select few, and they're all in on it of keeping the prices high. I mean, yeah, we don't have time to go into the last couple of weeks of just the decimation we've seen in and journalism and media in general and just how everything is just being controlled and throttled by you know private money yeah just private money is just like has ruined all these things and yeah same thing here like yeah like you just the the more consolidation in these major labels the more they think they can just be like oh yeah we can tell everybody what they can and can't do with our songs no you really can't and there's no way to stop it when it's already started and so, yeah, they have to figure out a way they can offer it to the consumer in a way that respects the consumer or the consumer is not going to respect them. That's just the truth. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, did you consume anything then? <laughs> no, I haven't had really time. I've started a full-time job again. And so my available time to listen to things has uh, shrunk a little bit. Um, but I will report back when I have a chance. I did get to listen to that MGMT album. Oh, yeah. I got three songs in and realized this thing is not for me. I don't want to listen oh. to this anymore. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what I expected going into it, but it was very industrialized. It was very mm. over synth, felt like overproduced to me. Mm. Um, I just did not like listening to it. So I just turned it off. Fair enough well there you go so not for you definitely not for me but hey maybe for someone else uh but with that yeah i think that does it for us then i think so hey thanks everybody for watching another episode of the media boat podcast if you watched us or would like to watch us you can do all that on the youtube channel search youtube for mediaboatpodcast.com you can find our channel there new videos go up on sundays now for the podcast proper um, you can also find an archive of our older shows, and you can click the bell for notifications when new videos go online. If you'd rather listen to us in your ear holes audio only, you can do so on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Just search Media Boat Podcast on your podcast catcher of choice, and you'll find our show. You can also find us on the internet. MediaBoatPodcast.com is our website. An archive of our shows is there, as well as reviews and uh, features uh, at random dates. And whenever I have the inkling to write something, you can find all of that on MediaBoatPodcast.com, including my thoughts about Madam Webb uh, from earlier in the episode. <laughs> you can also find us on social media platforms. We're on X slash Twitter at MediaBoatCast. We're on Blue Sky, MediaBoat.BSKY.Social. Just search MediaBoat and you'll probably find us. And uh, yeah. Facebook, we're in there somewhere. Search Media Boat Podcast. And then um, if you want to email us questions, comments, feedback about the show, anything about the show, and you want to hear your question read on the show live, 
you can do so. Mediaboatpodcast.gmail.com is that email address. All right. That'll do it. We are uh, barreling towards uh, the Oscars. Next week will be the pre-Oscar show because they will be Sunday night when we record. Yes. Or I guess no. So no, never mind. We will talk. We'll we will record on the 10th. On yeah. the 10th. Right. We will do it on the 10th. But we will not discuss what happens until the following until week the on following the 17th. Week. But yeah, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, join us next week for all sorts of stuff. We don't even yep. know what we're going to be talking about. More news, more thoughts, more of us, and we will give you our yes. official theme slash title for March Madness that we always do every year. Yes, we will. Stay tuned for that. All right. Okay, bye. See you next time. Bye.